Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. This is episode 78. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. And today we are so excited to bring a birth parent interview to the podcast. It's been a little while. Yeah, this episode is with Lauren. She is a birth mom who placed her daughter about 18 years ago and shares the story of how she chose adoption, what that looked like during the early years, and what it looks like now. Pretty fascinating. In this conversation between Lauren and Lynette, I think you'll glean a lot of what we can learn when it comes to maintaining and creating a great relationship in an open adoption situation. I loved listening to their conversation as I edited, and we know that you'll learn a lot from this episode. So we'll jump to the conversation with Lauren and Lynette. We are here on the podcast with Lauren. Lauren, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be a part of this. Can you start off by sharing a bit about who you are? So hello to all the listeners. My name is Lauren. Um, I'm 35 years old. I'm from Hershey, Pennsylvania, born and raised in this area, lived in Philadelphia for 10 years with my husband, and then kind of relocated back to this area a couple years ago after we had children. Um, I'm a physician assistant in gastroenterology, hepatology. That's my specialty. Um, and I previously was a physician assistant in critical care hospital medicine at a local hospital. Um, and so that's what I do. And I work full time and I'm extremely passionate about being a PA. And we have three children. <laughs> we have uh, two-year-old twins, boy-girl twins, Teddy and Ruby, and a five-year-old daughter named Charlie. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we have a dog. We have an English bulldog, Willow. Oh, nice. Cute. I love all of the names. I should throw that in there. You know, we've actually been to Hershey. I love, like, we just went to Hershey Chocolate World. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Down. Yeah. yeah. And then we've been out to, from there. I don't think it's very close, but we've been to Shippensburg too. Oh, yeah. That's like, mm, maybe an hour. Okay. Yeah. Hour, 15 minutes. Yeah. So I, I, I'm from like, I'm from like 10 minutes from, from Hershey. Yeah. Nobody knows the name. It's like Anvil, Lebanon area, but nobody knows what those towns are. So we, we literally tell everybody Hershey. I mean, that's, that doesn't, uh, yeah. that's not from Pennsylvania, but essentially like it's, it's basically Hershey. We have ever, if you live in this area, you have a season past a Hershey park and the whole like, yes, <laughs> it's yeah. iconic. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a nice area to live. That's awesome. It is beautiful there from what I've seen. It is. Yeah. Very cool. And you're a PA. That's really, really I'm a PA. Yep. Yep. I specialize in gastroenterology and and hepatology, which is like liver disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I went to school at Jefferson, which is a medical school in Philadelphia. It's like a pretty Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson University. It's a pretty like renowned hospital and um, people travel from all over the world to go to this hospital. So it's um, they have Will's Eye, which is like the number one eye institute in the United States. And um yeah. Anyway, so I'm proud of my career. I, I love my career. Uh, and now okay. I work for the VA. So I work with veterans. Okay. Wow. That sounds really rewarding and fulfilling. Yeah, it so is. Cool. It definitely is. Yep. It's amazing. All right. Well, can you share a bit about your connection to adoption? All right. So, um, I, 
became pregnant when I was about 15. Um, just like kind of, you know, got into the wrong things in high school. I was a really good student, you know, um, but uh, I have an older sister who was going through like some mental health issues at the time. She was like away at college and um, she went to Berkeley, which is like a music school, Berkeley College of Music in Boston, which is like a pretty famous music college. And so she was at school in Berkeley and um, she had, had like some mental health issues at school. And I think kind of the focus was on my sister who's like seven years older than me and um, just started hanging around the wrong people and ended up meeting someone who was much older than me and oh, got pregnant. Um, yeah, basically met someone older than me. It wasn't really a boyfriend situation. Wasn't someone that was like, a, you know, that I went to high school with or anything. And I got pregnant and really didn't know kind of like what to do at the time. Um, and you know, my initial, I thought maybe I'll just have an abortion. Nobody will know about it. My parents won't know about it. I come from a Catholic family. I went to Catholic school. Um, so not that I felt like my parents were going to, you know, I knew that I knew they'd be supportive, but it's not something that I was like running home to tell them. Right. So, and they had a lot going on with my dealing with my sister's mental health issues. So I thought, you know, what if I just have an abortion and I just don't tell anybody and then just continue with my life. And then, um, I just like prayed about it. I don't know. I, I can't really like explain. I can't really like explain what happened. I'm not really, I mean, I have to admit, I, I don't follow really Catholicism anymore. I've kind of gotten away from the Catholic church a little bit, but I am spiritual and I yeah. do pray the rosary. Like I, that's something that I still like, as much as I don't, I don't go to mass anymore or anything like that. It's something that I still find dear to my heart. Cause it's just like a meditative prayer to me, but I am spiritual. And I just, and I prayed and like, I woke up the next morning and I was like, you're going to put this baby for adoption. And like, no one had ever told me about adoption, my friends, nobody. I, I, now my parents had, at this point I had known there, they had known a couple of days before they found out that I was pregnant and they were like, okay, well, we'll just do whatever we have to do to help you. Like they weren't, they had never mentioned adoption. I don't know anybody that's adopted, like um. nothing, you know, there's, I had no familiarity with it. I woke up and was like, I'm going to put this baby for adoption. I, someone can benefit from this. And I don't know. I just had this idea that came over me. So I told my parents and they were like, adoption. Okay. Like, where did you even hear about this? And I was like, I don't know. I just woke up and this idea came to me that like, maybe I should play some, place this baby for adoption. So my mom is a, uh, was a nurse at a hospital. And I think she like knew some social workers there got in touch with like a social worker at the hospital that was like, Hey, do you know any adoption agencies? Cause there's a labor and delivery unit on the, at this local hospital. Um, and she recommended adoptions from the heart, which is an adoption agency based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They might have other ones, but one of them is the one that I worked with was in Lancaster. And she said, she knew this really good social worker. So I said, okay, I met with this social worker. Her name was Jen. She was so wonderful to me and my family. And, um, you know, she kind of just walked me through the process of like, and I also kind of told her the things that I was looking for. I wanted to pick the family. I 
um, wanted to be a part of naming my child. Um, and I wanted an open adoption and I didn't really know what that meant. You know, I, I was like about to turn, I think I had turned 16 about a month after I had my daughter. Um, so I was basically like 15, 16 years old, like definitely limited insight into like this process. Right. Yeah. Um, just like mat from a, a maturity standpoint. So she basically was like, well, you look at profiles and you can watch videos of families and that's kind of how it, it's done. And then you, I think you could decide if you wanted local, do you want another state? There's all kinds of like different, you know, are you open to like LGBTQ families, things like that. And so I had picked a husband and wife um, and I can't remember where they were from. I don't believe they had other children, but they were older. And that was a common theme that I found is that a lot of adoptive families in these profiles were like older, like not old, but like forties, fifties in some of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't have an issue with that, but it just was like a common theme. And I, yeah. and I think looking back, I didn't understand that, but obviously now I, you know, it makes sense to me. But at the time I was like, I don't understand, you know, I just kind of, it was just a whole new world. I didn't really understand. Yeah. And quick question. Do you think that made it hard to choose because there was such an age disparity? I think there was because I didn't, I don't know if I imagined someone that was like in their 20s. I, I don't know what I thought that I was going to see. Um, honestly, a lot of them looked like my parents. Like at the time, my parents were probably, my parents would have been, I mean, this was 18 years ago. My parents were probably in their 40s. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh. I think that's what one of the issues was, is that the people that I was looking at in these pictures, like looked like my mom and dad. And I was like, wait, these are like people that would be like grandparents. Why is this, you know, yeah. I just kind of yeah. didn't. But there was a lovely couple that I picked and I think I told the adoption agency that was interested in meeting this couple and then someone else had picked them. She came back to me and said another girl had just picked them. And and yeah. so I felt really like disheartened by that because I felt like, and then I came across this, this couple, their names were Kristen and James. Um, they lived in Virginia beach at the time. He was stationed in the military that he was in the Navy and he's a JAG, which is a lawyer for the Navy. So he's an officer in the Navy. Um, and she was a teacher, I believe at the time, uh, an elementary school teacher. And they look, they were in their thirties. We're in their early thirties. Yeah. And I thought they looked like a really nice couple. And they had these like two gold retrievers in their pictures. And I think they even had a video. And I said, I, I want to meet them. So I ended up meeting them. And we met at like a restaurant in Lancaster and like from Hershey, that's probably like 30 minutes. It's not very far. And she actually is from Lancaster. Nice. It's kind of like a neat connection. So like she was from Lancaster. Um, and when I met them, it felt like I had like known them my whole life. It was the strangest thing. I never, like, I felt like such a connection to them and really open with them. And I met them with my mom and dad. I think we had lunch or something and we just kind of, you know, got to know each other. And then we kind of did that same thing maybe once a month or something, or every two months, we kind of met somewhere, talked, talked about like, what are our expectations? What are questions that I have? Um, yeah. So I ended up choosing, they did not have children. They, she had, she was told she had severe endometriosis and she had multiple surgeries uh, for, I guess, scar tissue damage and told she had, you know, infertility issues as a result of this. 
Um, so they had been trying to have children for 10 years. Oh. They, they, I think they met in college and got married right out of college. So they were together for already, even though they were only like 30 or 31, they were already, they already been married for like eight or nine years or something. So they've been trying for quite some time. Um, and so then I, you know, we kind of agreed on like an open adoption. We didn't know what that would look like. And they agreed that we could choose a name together. And, um, so her name is Emma, Olivia, and I, so Emma's the name that they liked and Olivia was the name that I liked. So that's her middle name. And, um, and so, yeah, so then another kind of thing that we agreed on was, you know, when I had the baby in the hospital, like I really wanted to spend like two or three days with just the baby, which is just Emma and my family and have them come on the last day when it's time for me to leave. Um, so that, that and everybody was all in agreement with it. They were very like, you know, and I don't know if this is like a common theme with people that adopt, but they were very like, almost just grateful to be, not that they were like willing to be like whatever demands, I didn't have demands, but like, I think they just felt so grateful to be part of like, oh my gosh, this, this girl chose us. Like we should just, I don't know if that's like a common thing that adoptive parents feel. I'm, I'm sure there are some adoptive parents that really like have other opinions about it. They don't necessarily want that much contact or they don't, they want it in their child. They don't want to have that, you know, but they, I, they didn't feel like that. They were just so like, this is a collaborative process here. This is I something that, that you yeah. and I are doing together. And this is not something that we're like making you do that we are. I felt really like, and that's what I was looking for. I told myself I was not going to put my daughter for adoption unless I felt like it was the right thing with the right people. And I felt like I was being respected and I totally was. And, okay. you know, that made it, I think that made it all that much, e you know, not easier, but it made the process <laughs> a little bit, I mean, less straining than it could be in different situations. Yeah. So, um, you know, so she was born, um, and I had my time with her in the hospital with my parents and like my grandparents and like everybody was kind of there. Like the father was not in her life, declined like really any, wouldn't fill out like medical, you have to can fill out medical history forms so that, you know, in case anything genetic runs through in your family, yeah. if you could, that could, knowledge could be passed on and, you know, he had declined any, like any of that. And so there is no uh, involved, there was no involvement, there is no involvement which is actually probably for the better. But um, so, yeah. So then on the last, you know, had her in the hospital on the second, third day, like they came and that was obviously like, I never want to have to relive that, that again in my life. That was like horrible, but um, you know, through time and through going to a therapist and my parents are very supportive people. Um, they were there for me, like through all of this, you know, like, my dad went to like my childbirth classes with me, you know, cause I didn't have, you know, I was young. I didn't have yeah. a boyfriend or anything. So um, yeah, so they were really supportive. And I started seeing a therapist just to like process everything. Cause it's such a strange, you know, it's so, it's something you can't describe to people that have not experienced it. Like carrying a baby and then <laughs> you know, all this time and this connection, and then you just leave a hospital and you, 
don't have a baby to take home. And, you know, it's like, then it's hormonal, right? It's all these other like things that are playing into these postpartum hormone changes. And you just kind of, you know, I went back to high school, like probably, I don't know, two months later, I want to say. And it just was like, it was a weird, it was a hard adjustment, you know, because it's like, I didn't feel like a teenager anymore. Yeah. After going through that hugely adult experience. Yeah. I mean, that like took my maturity level to like (laughs) zero to 60, like, like 15 years old to like a 25 year old in like nine months, maybe even Mm -hmm. older than that. Like I, like it really kind of, and for the better, honestly, but, um, but nonetheless, I returned back to high school and I didn't feel like a high school student, like everybody else, you know, I was like, well, you know, it just was a, that was a, a hard transition. So then, so then they took Emma, uh, back to Virginia beach and, um, I got pictures like every, all the time pictures. Initially when I put her for adoption, I just wanted pictures. I didn't want any other communication. I didn't want to talk to them on the phone. I didn't, I just think like I was just sorting through my life and I didn't really you know, and then the older she got, I, I think she was four. And that was the first time I met her. Uh, only because that, that they had offered all the time, like, do you want us to bring her to Pennsylvania? Do you want, and I just really wasn't ready. And then I went away to college when I was, you know, obviously I graduated high school. Then I went to college, uh, in Westchester. And so then I was preoccupied with college life, you know, and, um, and so then, it just kind of worked out with her. She was like four. We met in Lancaster at um, Kristen's parents' house and it was great. And so then like over the years, um, you know, we've had more contact. They, they're they a military family, so they've moved around a lot. They lived in Virginia Beach. Then they lived in uh, Gig Harbor, which is in Washington state. Um, and then they were in Washington, DC, which is the closest they've ever lived. And then when they lived there, I used to drive down much more frequent because it was only like two hours away. So it was great. I would even just drive down for the day, see one of her soccer games and then come home. Oh, that's cool. And now they live in Florida. <laughs> so, um, so the, the traveling around has been hard, but, um, and she's 18 now, which is crazy. And she's about to leave for college in about a month. And, um, it's just all so crazy. I could talk about this forever, but you know, that's kind of like, that's like the sum of the the story. And in the meantime, they got pregnant. Oh, wow. So they adopted her and then they got pregnant six weeks later. Six weeks. Yeah. Wow. She took Emma Emma for her, um, like two week pediatrician appointment and her pediatrician, not her GYN was like, you should really think about going on birth control. I know a lot of people that have adopted and have gotten pregnant. Like I, it's common, like it's more common than you think. And Kristen was like, no way. We've been trying for 10 years. I've had so many surgeries. I've never been on birth control. There's no way I can get pregnant. And then four weeks later, she was pregnant. So crazy. And then they got pregnant again a couple of years later after that. So Emma has a brother and they are 10 months apart. Wow. And then she has a sister who is probably like four years younger than them. I think they got pregnant four years later. It's so wild. So interesting. Which is great because, you know, looking back, like I didn't want her to be an only child. 
I thought that's what I wanted when I was looking for adoptive parents. Like when I was looking through profiles, I was like, I don't think I'd pick somebody who has biological children because I don't want her to feel left out. You know, like I didn't yeah, know yeah. that I was, you know, I, I don't think I, I would not think that now, but I look at back then I was 16. I was like, yeah. okay, I just want someone, you know, but now that she has siblings, it's like, she's really close to her siblings. So it's just made, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm really happy that they ended up getting pregnant and now she has a, a big family. So beautiful. Yeah. So you said that you were hoping for an open adoption from the start, but you didn't really have very many connections to the adoption world before all of this happened. So like, what no. was your like expectation when you were hoping for an open adoption? What were you kind of picturing in the beginning? I just wanted to know that she was okay. Yeah. I, I said to the adoption, the social worker, the adoption agency, because I think she posed the question, do you want, because I think it mattered who, whose profile you chose because some parents and weren't the, open to that. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. And I, and I think that that's a, you have to, there is a certain level of acceptance and like that you have to take on as I think as an adoptive parent to have an open adoption because you could get somebody, you could get somebody crazy. I'm sorry. I think you probably could. I I'm serious. Like I, I, I have, I, I mean, what if you had someone that has poor boundaries and like yeah. now they know where you live? I'm serious. Like you don't, you don't, that's a very trusting thing. And I think that that takes a lot on the adoptive parent's shoulder to be willing to say, hey, we're open to an open adoption because it's a lot. You don't know. I could have been, I could have been crazy. I'm not, but like, I think that that's always a possibility. And so I didn't. I, I always thought that like, that's totally fine. If there's adoptive parents, that want a closed adoption. I think that's, you have to know what, what type, what you can handle because there's a certain yeah. level of, so I think when I, when I talked to the social worker, that's how she kind of phrased it. Do you want to look at profiles for people that are interested in open adoption or do you want people that are closed adoption? And she kind of explained the difference. And um, the way this adoption agency worked, I think for the first two years, every, all the communication went through the agency no communication went through. Do you know what I think that was probably yeah. just to see like a boundary maybe like to see if there was like issues. Um, so basically they would mail the pictures to the adoption agency and the adoption agency would send them to me. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how it worked. And then they said after like this time period, then that's up, that's up to, we leave it in your court. Like we leave it up to the adoptive parents and you to make an agreement on, you know, cause she said sometimes people think they want to open adoption and they come to find out they don't you know, whether it's on the birth parent side or the adoption side, I, I think sometimes you don't know maybe until you start the process. Um, I just know that I told her that I need to know that my child's okay. Yeah. I can't sleep at night if I put it, put her up for adoption and I never hear from her again. Like I need to know that she's safe and loved and is developing, you know, I, I just, I need that. And if that can't happen, that's fine. But then I, I won't choose adoption. I'll just, I'll just decide to raise a child. I mean, yeah. I think that's like a hard, like I, I think more young girls or just women in general might choose adoption if they knew that that was an option. I think there's a lot of stigma around adoption that it's this, you know, you don't know where your child goes and you never hear from them and it's out of your control. And I think there probably are situations where that might be the case. But I also wish that people would know that 
It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. You can have it as control as you want it to be essentially. I mean, if you find the right adoptive parents that are willing to, you know, talk to you about your wishes. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciated the parts where you were sharing about how you had these expectations for the hospital and you wanted to be a part of naming and you had these hopes and desires and people listened to you. Right. Yeah. So do you feel like, yeah, was that the agency as well as the adoptive parent or how do you think that? Yeah, no, I think it was both of them. I had a really good experience with this agency. I don't know any other experiences with, (laughs) I thought the social worker that I worked with was really wonderful. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, I I definitely don't have any, and I don't think Kristen or James ever had any like issues with them either. But like I said, that's like my only experience. So I don't know. You know, I don't know about other situations, but yeah, that that I did have a good experience and I felt listened to. I never felt pressured. Oh, no, no, no. I never felt. I, I never. Now, sometimes I wonder if that's because, you know, I have a supportive family yeah. and I like, I, I think that that could change if you are from a background that might not have as much emotional support and parents in the home that support you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that that could, I think that that could be different if you maybe you're on your own trying to figure this out. Maybe you come from an unstable home, like low socioeconomic background. Like, I think that that can impact how your adoption is and how, what agency you use. Like, I think that that kind of can all. I think so. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, and I loved that your dad went with you to appointments and yeah, he was in the room when I delivered her too. He was like, that's amazing. I think my dad had, so my dad had a really hard time accepting it initially, really hard, like, you know, and then I think it made our relationship stronger because I just think he realized like, this is a situation my daughter needs me. Like there's really no other, what is the other option? Like this, you know? And so my parents were both supportive like the entire time. So then my parents are very close to Emma. They call, awesome. she calls them grandma and grandma, grandma, Cindy, grandpa, Jeff. I love that. For my dad and they, and so do her siblings. Yeah. My mom's, you know, sorry, Chris, Emma's brother and sister call my parents, grandma and grandpa. My parents were just down there visiting them. They just came back a couple days. I ago. love that so much. So we've been able to have that with some of our kids and it's the very best where yeah, I mean, biological grandparents are grandparents, like to all of them and yes. really embrace. And it's beautiful. It's so incredible. Like they've been close. So when I didn't have contact with Emma for the first four years, my mom did that entire time. She would go visit them um, because that was the first time my mom was a grandparent, like ever, yeah. like my sister yeah. doesn't have children. And I obviously, she, I only have me and my sister, so there's no other. So she would go there with my aunt Lynn, who's my dad's sister, and they would go visit together. And, um, they, I just wasn't ready to go see her at the time, but my mom did. And, you know, I think that really grew like a close bond and, um, yeah. So beautiful. I love that. It is. And it sounds like you all just always felt like that door was open and. Yeah, I think so. I think it's had its times. Um, uh, I think that now we're in like a bit of a transition period with her going to college. 
And I think that's been hard on me. I mean, so there's been a couple of tough transition. One was when I got pregnant with my daughter. So that was hard for her, very hard for her. So she would have been, so let's see, she's 18. She would have been 13 probably. And that was very difficult for her to process. Um, Just because she started having the, like Kristen called me and said she was, when she found out that I was pregnant, she was crying. Why does Lauren is keeping this baby and why didn't she keep me? What's wrong with me? You know, so there was a lot of that. And then also me, I had a lot of, this was the first time I was pregnant that I had a lot of like shame surrounding my pregnancy because the first time I was pregnant had a lot of shame, you know, cause you're 16, you're, you're <laughs> it's not the ideal situation. So I think I carried that shame again. I felt bad enjoying it. It didn't, you know, even though my, my, it was too much, you know, it wasn't like totally different yeah. husband who I married to now, you know, like yeah, it yeah. wasn't a, a similar situation. It was like, you know, um, it was like a planned pregnancy, but, um, there definitely was like a lot of shame and guilt from my own perspective. Mm-hmm. I actually had it again with the twins too. I had like the same, like I felt bad, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a comp. Sometimes you don't know why you experience these emotions and how they're tied to adoption. One, because there's not, I don't have anybody to like talk to. There's no roadmap, right? There's no like, I have a therapist that I talk to about it, but you know, there's no roadmap to say, well, this is how it's going to be. Everyone's adoption experience is different. And sometimes the emotions can be confusing and you don't always know why you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. You're not the only person I've heard say though, that, Pregnancy after placement is really hard. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, I didn't expect that. And then when I felt that way, I was like confused. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I felt like I couldn't enjoy it or yeah. You know, the other thing too, is I always, so I always wanted to adopt yeah. even though I, I can get pregnant, no issues. We have twins. We have, there's no fertility problems, but I always wanted to adopt. I felt like I wanted to like give back. I wanted to do like foster care, not private adoption. I wanted to do like fostering or like, you know, adopt someone out of foster, the foster care. That's what I, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so then when you like get pregnant and you, there's just a lot of like emotions with that. Cause then I'm like, well, maybe that's not my plan. Maybe that's not my journey. Maybe that's for somebody else. You know, I, I just feel such a strong connection to adoption that like, I wanted to continue that in my, you know, continued in my life in another way. And it like, yeah. Didn't happen and yeah, that's a, something I think about often. Hmm. Yeah. So I love that you have a therapist that you talk to about this. Yeah. And then also when Emma was having a hard time processing your mm-hmm. next pregnancy, you guys were able to talk about that too. It sounds like there was dialogue going. Yeah, for yeah. Yeah. I've written her letters before. Um, you know, on her 16th birthday, I wrote her a letter, um, talking about how, you know, this is the same age that I was when I was pregnant with you. Like, so it brought a lot of like emotions, you know, cause like at this time it's, and I couldn't imagine like, yeah, I'm a 16. She's like a baby, you know, like, yeah. you know, can you imagine like, this is, I was pregnant with you at this same stage of my life going to high school, you know, 
and just kind of talked about that in a letter to her, like how it just can change your life. And, you know, and she's changed all of our lives for the better. Um, and so even if it's not over like the phone, we can write each other letters and kind of communicate that way, you know, if you want to say yeah. something. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So you mentioned how you wish people understood that open adoption is an option. What else do you wish people understood or knew about adoption? Oh, well, I think, um, one is, I think the dialogue and the terminology around adoption, like roles can be skewed. And I don't think that's anyone's fault yeah. per se. I think it's just not really talked about like, well, you're her real mom, mm -hmm. you know, like things like that. And I know what yeah. they mean, biological, right. So I think that there, I wish that there was a better way to talk about like terminology or like, what is she, what is she, do you know how many people have said to me, what do your parents, what, what do you guys tell her that you are? Do you tell her that you're her sister or like her aunt or something? I'm like, no, how confusing and horrifying is that? That's not, but I, but, and, and people are well-intentioned. I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that it's comes from a place of, I think it's somewhat, it's, it's ignorance, not by their own. It's yeah. just by, there's not a lot of like discussion around it unless you're in, immersed in that world. Um, so that's like one thing I'd want people to know is like, there is a language and terminology around adoption and I don't know, I, I would like, don't assume that like we tell people that like we're their kids aunt or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one thing. And then I think another thing is, um, I don't know. I would want people to know, um, I would encourage discussions about adoption I like to talk about my adoption with Emma. Like, I think it's, I think it sheds some of the shame around it because I think there can be shame when people don't talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, maybe not for everybody. That's just me personally there. I'm sure there are people that they put their child for adoption and they, they don't I actually, in fact, I know someone like a, a, a really good friend of my cousin who I'm also close with. Uh, she had a baby in high school put up for adoption and like never, like does not want to talk about it. And this is like 25 years ago, does not want to talk about it has no, it's like, it had really like, uh, caused a lot of pain in her life. Um, so she's someone that really doesn't, you know, so I guess it's case by case, but like personally for me, I do enjoy talking about it. I like when people ask questions and then really my hope is that it educates people. Um, one time I had someone reach out to me, this is a couple of years ago, someone on Facebook that I, kind of was an acquaintance of and she had said her younger cousin was pregnant and thinking about adoption and she was wondering if I would talk to her about it she had had some questions I think a similar situation was a young girl in high school um didn't really know what to do was thinking she might want to just keep the baby or you know decide to parent and I ended up talking to her I don't know what happened you know what came of it but I still think it's beneficial that she you know got to hear from someone who had a positive experience and I was able to answer her questions because I think that she went into it thinking they're going to take my baby away. I'm going to have no control over where my baby's placed. You know, I, I think these are, yeah. these are not things like in a, these are real thoughts that people have. I think it's probably why most young girls either have abortions or decide to become a young mom, because I, I don't think that there's any real, who is there to talk to them about adoption? 
right? Like who, who is there? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, short of like having a supportive parent, they might, even if they do have a supportive parent, they might not think about adoption. Yeah. Especially if there is this negative perceived notion of what it looks like, that's probably not accurate in most cases. Right. Yeah. Right. right. For, for sure. And right. And I think that <clears throat> there's cultural differences too. Mm-hmm. I think some like culturally, like the baby stays in our family or what, like, yeah, I, I think, I think it can, it has many different facets of how it can manifest and what the reasons are that adoption is or is not discussed, you know, when, mm-hmm. when you're young, but um, yeah. Yeah. So do you have any thoughts on what you think openness versus a lack of openness might look like down the long road, like long-term yeah. So your experience and others you've seen or know. Um, so I can't say what I know. Cause I don't really know anybody else that's, which is kind of crazy. I don't really know anybody in my own circle, in my own family. I don't know anybody that's adopted or put their child, place their child for adoption, or even like, I work with someone that has an adoptive child, I think, but it's not something I, well, I do to share a story then I'll share a, a crazy story then about when I got into PA school at Jefferson, it has to do with adoption, but, um, you know, in the last, so that's kind of something I'm always figuring out is like, how is my openness going to change with Emma? And that's actually something that's been kind of difficult on me. Um, because so I, I typically, our goal for the last five years is we see each other once a year. Mm -hmm. I go to Florida, I take Charlie with me. And we fly there. We stay there for like five days because like Charlie like loves Emma. And it's the strangest thing. They see each other once a year, but it's like, it's like no time has passed. It is. And and there's people that Charlie sees every week that she doesn't like connect with. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He sees Emma and like asks about her all the time. When are we going to go to Florida, mom? When are we going to go back to the beach and see Emma? That's so sweet. So I really try to like, she has seen Emma has seen Charlie since like she was born, since she was a couple months old. So in the, so our goal is in the last year, last couple of years to get together at least once a year. And so far this year, we haven't been able to get together. Last time I saw Emma was April of last year. And um, just with like my schedule, cause I work full time. I have three children, like yeah, life is very busy. So it's hard for me to like take off, you know, and just fly to Florida, like, you know, on a whim. Um, and she's very busy. She is like the head of her soccer team and she plays like club league soccer. So when she's not in school, she's traveling for soccer everywhere. So we haven't been able to connect this year. And my parents just went to her graduation and they were there for five days and I didn't go. Um, I think some of it was because I knew that I wasn't really going to get to spend time with her there because it was such a crazy, you know, she has all this family flying in from out of state for her party. And I just like, didn't want to be when I go there, I like to spend time with her. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> right. I know. But yeah. <laughs> so I didn't want to go down there and be disappointed, not because of her, but I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to set myself up to be let down. Like, and I could, I could see it kind of happening. And so I decided I wasn't going to go and we just haven't been able to make it connect. And like, I've been very frustrated by that. And then I start thinking, what if I never see her again? She's going to college. I remember how it was in college. I, all I cared about in college was my friends. Do you know what I mean? I, I worked, we partied, we went to school. Like that's all yeah. we did. We didn't, I wasn't checking in to see, to visit family, like other than my, you know, 
your priorities are shifted. And so like, I'm, I'm just going through like a bit of a, our relationship is changing and it's like bothering me, you know, and it's something that I need to work through and it's confusing to me. And I think it's confusing to her because we text each other and we both miss each other so much. Yeah. And we say that to each other, like on text, like when I, she graduated Friday, they, her mom sent me pictures and like, I texted Emma, I was like, congratulations, like so happy, enjoy your graduation. She was like, miss you so much. I love you. I can't wait to see you. Like, it just is. So, so we're kind of like in the future, I hope we go back to at least seeing each other once a year. Cause like, that's fine. I think we both agree. Like once a year is like fine for us. Yeah. I think there was times where we were seeing each other. Like when I used to go visit my sister at their house. Yeah. Like for five days. Yeah. And I think maybe some people are fine with that, but I found it to be like a little bit of boundary issues like, I don't, I know that you're good parents, but I don't necessarily need to see your day-to-day parenting because I don't always agree with some things. Yeah. And they're not like, they're not like crazy things. Yeah. It might just be like, it might just be like, well, you didn't make her empty the dishwasher and I would have made, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I put, I place your for adoption for a reason. I'm not your parent anymore. Like, you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I, I stepped back from that because that was our level of openness. I would stay in their home. Like, and I, have come to realize like that doesn't serve me well. You usually end up getting upset. And so now I've run an Airbnb and we just like get a house on the beach and then Emma will just like come to the house and I'll go to their house too. But like, I don't sleep over there. Yeah. I think that's really amazing that you recognized that that wasn't working well for you. Yeah. The old system. Yeah. I don't know if like other adoptive parents do that. Do they let their, but like- I mean- do the birth mothers stay in their house? Is, we've done that and we've been cool with it. But you ha- they yeah, have it's interesting to hear that perspective. I mean, I don't, they've never told us that they don't like staying, but but I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. That's a sense I think care. that I like never, like I said, I think everyone's different. I think there's probably yeah. people that it doesn't bother them. But I think when I came, became a parent six years ago, I that think that sense. I, just like I had my own, my own introspection into my my own parents' parenting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I never yeah. had thought about that. I thought about that more in my life than when I became my own parent, when I became, you know, a parent myself. And I just realized like, this is not, I know that she's well loved and taken care of and spoiled and yeah. all these things. And I don't need yeah. to see it because I don't always agree with the yeah. parenting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not like a big thing. Like, yeah, you're not like upset about it, but it's also no. not well to see it. Like, right. It's yeah, like, yeah. I need to like, I need to like come and visit and have my own space so I can spend yeah. all day with you and then go home and sleep in my own bed. Yeah. And your family issues can like stay in your house. And I, you know what I mean? Yeah. They know that I've told them that but, like, I'll just get my own house. And now that I bring Charlie there, it's like, so I'm just kind of like navigating the waters and like trying to figure out, you know, what is the right level of openness? Yeah. And you know, one thing I told myself and I, I don't, I don't always know if I, do I need to have a conversation with Emma about this or is that not the right thing to do is like, I never want Emma to grow up and look back and say, all of this was forced on me and I didn't have a say in it. That's my, one of my biggest fears. I don't want her to mm-hmm. say like those times you came to visit or like, I didn't want that. I was happy with my family in Florida. Like I didn't, I didn't want you coming to see me because that was whatever, confusing, 
made me upset. You know, that's my biggest fear. So that holds me back from like engaging too much. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I don't know how to like, how do I sort that out? You know, I don't, and I don't want to put her in a position where the decision's on her because she's just, she's like a child still. I mean, I don't know how to like navigate these waters and there's at times, and there's not really anybody that can tell me what to do. That's really challenging. So yeah, how to support her and what she wants or needs, but also what does she want and need? Does she know? Right. Yeah, that's challenging. Yeah. Right. And then the other aspect is another, my second fear is like, I don't want her to look back and say, you didn't have enough contact with me. I felt abandoned. I felt like you were there for me. It's such like a, I, I'm, I'm torn between, am I doing enough or am I not doing, you know, doing too much, you know, yeah, yeah. that's a hard. So that's, that's one of the challenges I think. That's a huge challenge. So do you have any advice for working through that? I know that you're still in the thick of it. So no, I'm working, someone can give me advice. That's, that's on my way. <laughs> um, honestly, no, I, uh, I'm still kind of working through that. And that's yeah. another thing you learn about adoption. Things are always changing. Yeah. I never thought, you know, the, the problems that Emma had or not the problems, but, but the adoption things you face when they're a child is different than when they're a preteen. And then when they're a teenager, you know, it's like, she never asked about her biological father until a couple of years ago. And then that was a big thing for like several years. Like, where is he? Where are his picture? You know, I yeah. never, you're learning new things all the time and you're encountering new things all the time that it's, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm, this is like a journey and you're finding things out as you go or you're navigating it's the water. wild. Yeah. I have been so surprised by how much I don't know all the time. Like, it feels like there's always so much to learn and so much to learn. I kind of don't expect it ever stops at this point, but I don't think it does. Yeah. I agree. And maybe that's okay because you're continuing to learn and you're open to learn. I'm open to, you know, yeah. learning and um, yeah, it's definitely an ongoing journey. Well, before we wrap up, you did mention that you had a crazy adoption story that you wanted oh, to share. Oh, okay. It's not college. crazy. I'll just, I'll just be really yes. quick. Okay. So yeah. I'll, I'll keep this brief. So to get into PA school, it's pretty competitive. You know, I don't, typically they, they accept anywhere from like, it depends what school you go to, but maybe if you go to a larger school, um, they might accept like 70 students a year. Well, I went to Jefferson, they accept 30 students per year. And I don't know the number of people that apply, but it's in the either hundreds or thousands. So these schools are very competitive and you, you know, the applications to get in and anyways, all the requirements that you need to get into these schools is a lot. So typically people don't get accepted to PA school in their first time. That's like pretty known and it's okay, but I didn't get accepted my first time or my second time. I think some of it was like, just, I just wasn't prepared. You have to be so prepared. These interviews are daunting. They're hours long. The applications have to be pristine. Your, your recommendations have to be pristine from other physicians. Like, and every time I did it, it got better and better. Right. And so I said to myself, this is the last time. And my school of choice was Jefferson. I had applied to, and that's the thing they tell you to apply to all kinds of schools because you're not going to get into just one. So apply to several. So my top school was Jefferson. That's where I really wanted to go because I lived in Philadelphia at the time. And I had an interview there and the woman that interviewed me, her last question was, what is the, what something like, 
what is the, what is one of the most important things that's happened in your, what's it, what's something in your life that's happened to you that's made the most impact on your life? Something, something uh, along those lines. And normally like, I don't just tell people about like my adoption, just like people that don't know me, you know, yeah. it's not really like it's, it's, you have to figure out when is it appropriate to time to bring this up? And does the person that's here, it's a very sensitive thing. Yeah. So I just felt in the moment, like, I'm just going to tell her like, one of the biggest things that changed my life is placing a child for adoption when I was 16 years old. And then all these things I told her about, you know, had contact with her and it was a good relationship. And, and, and I knew that I wanted to go to college, but I, you know, wanted her to have a family, a good family to raise her. And I wouldn't, wasn't able to provide that. And then this doctor was like, do you see this picture on the wall of this little boy? And I was like, yeah. And she said, that's my adoptive son. And she was like, we have an open adoption. And I was like crying and she starts crying. And then like, they sent me a letter like a week later saying I got, I got, you know, admitted to their school. And I'm I'm not saying it's, I just was like such like a, what a, like a connection, you know, I just so crazy. That's really beautiful. Wow. It is. And you're right. It's so hard to know when it's a good time to share that because you don't want to share something so tender and special to you with someone who's not going to treat it as something special. Right. In this case, obviously. I felt like a, like a warmth from her. She's a geriatrician. Typically geriatricians are like (laughs) warm. I don't know. I find them to be like that, that profession of doctors I find to be like pretty warm. I don't know why, probably because they take care of elderly people. So they're she just had a, 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 I wouldn't have shared it if I didn't think that it was someone that was going to like understand or be welcoming to it. But I kind of got this yeah. vibe after talking to her for like 40 minutes that, that it might be a good, you know, and, and really in all honesty, it, it was the truth. You know, it wasn't just an answer yeah. to, it really yeah. was the truth. I didn't, I didn't have anything else to say that could have, that could have matched up to that. And so I felt like it was the right, you know that you asked the question. This is the true. This is the real answer. That's so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, Lauren, I have loved talking to you. Is there anything else you want to talk about more on there? Yeah. So I would say that if somebody ever has a question about open adoption or if they're like, even if it's from a birth mother or a adoptive parent, or even someone that's seeking to become an adoptive parent, like I would be more than happy to discuss with them, talk to them or answer questions or not that I'm like, super knowledgeable in any of this but, but you've had you've had this open adoption for years now and yeah I mean she's 18 like yeah for sure yeah and it's um yeah and you saw like my pictures I sent so that's Emma's graduation picture from like last week and then the picture with the three little kids and that's me and my husband and our three children and then I think I sent you a picture of Emma and Charlie when we went to visit them last year super cute yeah yeah it, it is it's a wonderful thing anytime I tell people they always say they tell me it's a beautiful story and like what a thing that you've done for someone and um I don't always look at it like that I just knew that I could give back to somebody and make make something positive out of getting pregnant at a young age you know I, I was like I can turn this yeah. around and make this into something positive for someone someone that's looking to start a family that otherwise isn't able to unless they adopt and I was able to do that. And that's really all I wanted to do is all about selflessness. You know, that's like, if I can give any piece of advice, it's sometimes the journey is not about you. It's about putting, not always, but putting, you know, I, I sometimes put Emma's needs ab- above my own sometimes. What is best for her, right? Yeah. I'm not neglecting my own, you know, 
but but in, in, in a healthy way, not in an unhealthy yes. way. Like yes. from a place of love and what can I do that's going to better her life and right. So like anytime Emma has questions, I'm here to answer them because this is about Emma. This is about answering the questions that she has. It's not about me and if it's uncomfortable for me to talk about, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's about helping her not feel any shame or surrounding being adopted and feeling like there is endless amounts of love and that adoption just adds to the love that doesn't take away from it. It doesn't subtract from it. And that people are here to answer your questions and support you and love you. And that's kind of, that's how I look at it. That's so beautiful. Wow. Well, Lauren, thank you so very much for being here today. Thank you so much. This was great. Thanks again so much to Lauren for being on this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We really appreciate her willingness to open open up and share. And I, I feel like I learned a lot. Yeah, I loved chatting with her. It was so much fun. She's just got a really great mind where I feel like she thinks things through in a way and articulates them in a way that helps you really understand where she's coming from and... Yeah, I, I really appreciated what we heard from her just a minute ago about keeping our focus and adoption on the adoptee. We live in this day and age where everything is all about self-care, and self-care is important. We are definitely not saying it's not. But in adoption, there are often times where we need to prioritize taking care of the adoptee and their needs as biological parents and as adoptive parents both. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think even from the very beginning of the episode, she was sharing like, I only want to make, I only want to make this decision if I know that it's going to be the best thing for her. Yeah. And, and as traumatic and difficult as it was for Lauren to make that decision, she knew that it was what, what was going to be better. Yeah. She felt like, yeah, she felt like that was the better option for her daughter. And it's hard, right? It's really hard to prioritize someone's needs like that. But, I mean, she's also practicing self-care. She's going to therapy, all of those things. Yeah. But but I think it's just not talked about enough right now that we do sometimes need to be focusing on making sure we're taking care of others, especially those who we've put in a position where they need a little more care. Yeah. Another thing that I am still thinking about, but I think I'm learning from Lauren's advice or from her experience was when she was talking about how, you know, her daughter's 18 years old now Mm -hmm. and she's trying to figure out this balance of how much am I involved? Um, You know, she kind of talked about, I don't want her to think, why are you there so much? Or why weren't you there enough? Um, And so for me as an adoptive parent, I think it's just highlighting that we need to be really open in our conversation with our kids about the relationships we have with their birth families and ask, do you need more? Is this too much right now? Yeah. Well, and we've talked to other birth parents who have said they don't really feel comfortable saying if they want more contact. And so, yes, I agree. We need to be checking in, engaging how everyone's doing. Yeah. Mm Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really important. And then also, as she talked about transitions into adulthood with open adoption, it did remind me of Dakota's episode. If you have not listened to that one, I think it's a good cross-reference right here. Yeah. Dakota is an adoptee, and he grew up in an open adoption. And he talked about how one of the challenges for him and his open adoption was when the ball moved from his parents' court. of They took care of everything and made sure that they had contact with his birth mom and all of that. Then it moved into his court where it was up to him to figure out how that works and to navigate that. And so just something to think about. Like he has a great relationship with his birth mom and it's all good. But he did say that was a change that he wasn't anticipating. Yeah. I think we're, I mean, we're trying to navigate that a little bit with a child who's going into her teen years and Mm -hmm. has a phone that can communicate with her birth mom. And there's, there's definitely interaction and connection that we are encouraging but there's also this authentic like um, desire to have that connection too and to like forge it yourself yeah and i mean i I think there are times where they reach out to one another without us really being in the picture obviously yeah they don't really need our prompts yeah yeah it's Um, good it's i think a good balance good good boundaries but i think that that will help set up uh a a successful future in, in managing that relationship. I think so. So again, Lauren, thank you so much for sharing with us. We're really, really appreciative of all that you were able to help us learn. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, just a couple of quick little reminders. If you would like to subscribe to our newsletter, you can go to openadoptionproject.org to do that. And it's a fun little monthly newsletter. There's a little bit of extra content there. And our friend Alicia helps us with that. She works so hard on it. It's really fun. So subscribe to that if you would like. And then if you know of anyone or if you are interested in getting some help with looking at your DNA and finding biological family with DNA, then Devony from a few episodes ago is doing a project with us where we're hoping to help a couple of adoptees with finding some of their family. So if you're interested in that, you can also go to openadoptionproject.org. I think I'm going to put in a shameless plug and also ask that if you've been enjoying the podcast, you feel like it's been something that's helping you learn or navigate adoption or the adoption community better, please jump on to Apple Podcasts and give us a a five-star rating and leave a comment. The more ratings we have, the more comments that we have, we can reach people better when they're searching for a podcast to listen to. Yes, that would be the best present little shameless plug. I love it. Uh, You could also do that on Audible if you can't do it on Apple Podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We'll be back in your feed in a few weeks. 